Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome to a new week, Solar Warrior. Here we go. This is Two for Tuesday. Whether that's a tactical Tuesday or just content from one of our many live events like SPI Podcast Lounge, this is going to be a short form conversation typically with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips and advice for building your solar business or career and grow with us here on Suncast as I know you will. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us again and level up your game. Remember, you can always find the resources and learn more about today's guests and recommendations in the blog at mysuncast.com. So get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior. Here we go with another powerful conversation on Suncast. Hello, clean techers. I am Mike Casey, and I'm the founder of Tiredcom, the national clean economy, Marcom, and public affairs firm. I've got the honor today of convening a group of clean tech's leading podcast hosts for our second roundtable. Uh, this idea is inspired by our quarterly clean tech editors roundtable series. It's gotten grown increasingly popular during the pandemic. And as it progressed, we kept hearing from people who want to hear from the podcasters, because while the full-time editors have a breadth of view, the people here have a depth of view because their shows delve deep into companies, leaders, and trends. And I'm going to have the panelists introduce themselves in alphabetical order by last name, then go right to a few questions. I'm certain we are going to hear from each of our guests because as podcasters, they are not shy about jumping into the conversation. But uh, please do send us your questions and post them. We, if we do not get to your questions, um, I will do my level best to make sure we get answers from some of them and, and get with you afterward. All right, Marie, I think you're first in the alphabet. Let's start with you. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. And everybody, thank you so much for being here. So excited that we're doing this again. Um, I am Marie Berquist with the GRNE Solar Sponsored Podcast, What's Up? What's Up? <laughs> What's Up is focuses on all things renewable energy and sustainability. Mr. Johnson. My name is Nico Johnson, host of the ever popular, now 400 episodes deep, Suncast. And I also run a company called Suncast Media right there. And uh, I occasionally get to, to have fun with all of these folks, including Mr. Mike Casey. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Mr. Montague. Hey there. Good to be here. Tim Montague with the Clean Power Hour. I co-host a weekly news roundup and interview show with my colleague, John Weaver, who is a journalist with PV Magazine. And we've started to mix it up with some interviews with uh, inventors and founders. So looking forward to bringing you more of that. Great to be here. Mr. Nussie, who has, a, who has I think, an announcement of an upcoming uh, piece of intellectual content. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me, man. This is fun, fun to be back. Uh, Bill Nussie, host of the Freeing Energy podcast. Uh, we are focused on local energy, which is the small scale uh, rooftop solar, community solar, CNI, and uh, we want to see that happen much sooner. So we have a uh, guests who come on who are experts in the field of policy, technology, and we really love entrepreneurs. So this is a uh, primarily about entrepreneurs. And there's a book coming out that I've been working on for a few years, 
born out of a TED talk I did a while back that's called Freeing Energy as well. And it's uh, kind of the entrepreneur's on-ramp for uh, clean energy uh, for folks that want to get in this industry. Mr. Porter, aloha. Hey, aloha, folks. Josh Porter here in Maui with Solar Coaster radio show, media company. Um, we are focused on all things new energy economy and love learning about um, new inventions and new technologies. Right here is our teaser from our recent 60-day, 6,000-mile cross-country film project with North America Smart Energy Week uh, in a partnership. And yeah, I was looking forward to talking with everybody here and having a good time today. We are welcoming for the first time Mr. Powers. Hey, thanks, Mike. And thanks, Nico, for hosting. Uh, John Powers, I'm the president and co-founder of Clean Capital. I have the honor of serving as President Obama's chief sustainability officer and have been in this sort of sustainability and climate change space for a while. Uh, I launched Experts Only as a podcast really to explore solutions to climate change, really focusing on discussing with industry leaders the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance. So we really going deep with innovators, with venture capitalists, with others to sort of see where the market's going and really help drive solutions that we think are so critical to the crisis we face today. And last but certainly not least, Ms. Piper. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So I am Julia Piper. I am officially Vice President of Communications and Policy at Goodleap, um, one of the residential solar financiers. But I'm also host of Political Climate, and I'll speak in that capacity today. Uh, Political Climate is a podcast that tackles the energy and environmental policies and politics of the day. Uh, my co-hosts are Brandon Hurlbut, former Chief of Staff at the DOE, and Shane Skelton, who is a former Hill staffer. And we sort of evolved the show. We took a little bit of a break earlier this year. Uh, politics, you know, I think we can all remember what January was like. It really felt like things right. were stalled. Um, but it's really evolved. And I'm excited to say we relaunched uh, just earlier this month. We've had Senator Heinrich on the show recently, and it's a good look at the ins and outs of how things are moving on Capitol Hill and in DC more broadly. And folks, an administrative point, you'll note that we have uh, we brought back our background competition, and you can clearly see that there are two people who are trying to crash the boards with changing backgrounds. And so the the public is going to have to vote with their feet whether or not we like the static background. Yours truly, Julia, Nico, Tim, or do we like these uh, these show-offs, uh, Marie Bergquist and Josh Porter? So people have to vote with their feet, but I need to hear from you. All right. Mike, I'm going to bring in my solar-powered <laughs> pollinators here. <laughs> solar-powered Legos. I want one uh, of those. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Really cool. My background's not moving, but it's... Uh, that's cool. Mine's meant to be social commentary on the fact that we need more distributed energy solutions in places like New Orleans, where we saw the power outages. <laughs> you take it, do not believe a White House operative like John Powers. He knew exactly <laughs> what he was doing. He was going to bring the Lego background in and try to, he was going to try to ace, jump over Josh Porter. Right? Let's just be clear. So I, I'm just- Mike, you're giving me too much credit. I literally put out a collared shirt as I was walking in and set my mic up. So I've just been, I've just been watching, <laughs> I've, been, I've just been watching all these guys. It's crazy what's happening out there. It's unbelievable. Okay. All right. First question, folks. Since we last spoke in July, what are the three biggest clean tech trends that you see emerging from the summer going into the fall? Bill Nussie, Mr. Book Author, you get to lead us off. Well, Julia stole this, stole my thunder, but I think the uh, fallout from Hurricane Ida is is difficult to overstate. Um, it's you know, one more demonstration that we need more decentralized generation. I call it local energy. I think of it as sort of mother nature uh, grabbing us by the throat saying, listen, aren't you guys getting it? We really need to change the way we generate power. So that's number one. Uh, pick, trying to be a little outside the box here. Number two, I think we're going to have a battle coming in the next few months about what actually constitutes uh, clean energy. 
does it include nuclear? And this is, I think, has entirely new levels of importance as uh, the folks in Washington, D.C. figure out what clean energy means for the, these new bills. Uh, does it mean um, natural gas? So, uh, and I think the last one that I, I'm personally very excited about was uh, when um, uh, Secretary Granholm got behind one of my favorite new things, the Solar App Plus. Uh, it's not ground shaking in clean energy, but to me, it's a tectonic shift, um, getting that level of attention on something that's going to st- uh, accelerate local energy to that degree. All right, Julia Piper, your big three coming out of this summer, extending in the fall. What do you think? Yeah, well, I obviously echo Bill in the local energy and the need for more of it. We saw in the wake of the uh, Hurricane Ida, just it was weeks with people without power. With 80% of the city still out, there were 14 deaths I just looked up that were attributed, I believe, to power outages. Um, so really dire. And I think it just shows the consequences of our of our decisions there. Um, but also note that FEMA came out with a report that showed uh, in the Texas power outage that solar was truly a reliable resource. And so I think we're really going to see the conversation evolve around reliability and clean resources of all kinds. Um, Another trend is every month this year, I believe, so January, February, beyond, EV sales were up month over month throughout the year. So despite the turbulence in the markets and things we're seeing amid the pandemic uh, that's ongoing, EV sales are having a record year. So that's an exciting trend to watch for. Uh, the other one I'll quickly point to is I came across Energy Sprung, which is uh, out of the Netherlands. It's uh, a retrofit program to make homes net zero energy. So they generate a total amount of their energy required for their heating, hot water, and electrical all within the home itself. Um, so this is a new trend on the radar. We'll see if it has any legs here in North America, but I thought that was an exciting one to see come on the scene and just innovations around the home in general are a space to watch, I think. All right, Josh Porter. Uh, fresh off your cross-country mainland trip. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, I'm. Uh, well, I can tell you about what I think is interesting and what's happening out there that kind of excites me. So long-duration storage, we just came off a show with uh, KIU's president, David Bissell. Uh, they're put, uh, implementing with AES out there a long-duration storage, PSH, pump storage hydro system that'll take Kauai from 70, 80%, kind of 24 hour uh, renewables to almost, you know, 80, 90%. So when we look at long, long uh, duration storage, I think it's really fascinating. I think we're going to see more of that. I mean, that project is green lit, funded, ready to go. Um, Pairing hydrogen with renewable energy uh, resources like uh, Washington PUD, um, Douglas Utility, they're actually implementing right now a five megawatt Cummings electrolyzer and uh, it's green hydrogen system. So it's fascinating. But what's going to happen with how are, how are the feds going to uh, define uh, clean hydrogen? What's the carbon character of that? I think this is a really fascinating area. I'm excited about plug power in Alabama and the hydro facility up there in Niagara. And yeah, what's the third one? Let's say... Uh, adapting to climate change. I mean, we kind of understand that climate change is happening. Look at uh, what we just went through with uh, with NOLA. And so I've got a, I'm talking to companies out there that are looking at dual use of land, agrovoltaics, vertical bifacials, things of that nature, and actually creating up kind of solutions for farmers and for soil integrity and things like that. These are areas that fascinate me that I think are up and coming. Tim Montague. Oh, thanks, Mike. You know, it's so hard to name just three things, but I want to shine a light on the solar industry for a moment, because what is happening is that we have realized that the United States is going to install one terawatt of solar by 2035. And then we're going to go to three terawatts by 2050. So solar PV, if you're not aware of what's going on in the solar PV industry, you need to sit up and listen hard because this is a cash cow 
for our country and f- and and you know for the safety and future of society we're looking at going 45% solar on the grid by 2050 my favorite new technology and it's so weird how these things happen and just emerge kind of like a tipping point and ice cube melting is direct air capture you know last time we got together as a group I was shining a light on green hydrogen, and that's still something I'm very excited about because Earth is the water planet, and you can make hydrogen from water, and we have 10,000 times more solar energy, right, than we can use. So we're swimming in energy, which means we're swimming in green hydrogen if we want to be. But the Orca project in Iceland by Incline, which is a Swiss company, was all over the news a couple of weeks ago. This is still small-scale stuff, right? And we need to scale it to, you know, thousands of gigatons a year of carbon capture. But when you think about the built environment, it's all made of carbon that was sucked out of the atmosphere by plants and animals, right? It is all around us and it is proven technology. Evolution has proved it for us, even though, unfortunately, CO2 is only, well, fortunately or unfortunately, CO2 is 0.04% of the atmosphere. So getting that stuff out of the atmosphere is hard work and it takes a lot of energy, but we're now getting serious about it. And and in that regard, I also want to highlight the X prize that Elon Musk is giving a hundred million dollars, right? For a next generation car direct air capture technology. That's real money. And he is still the shining star for clean tech. And uh, I'll shut up now. Thank you so much. All right, let's do John, then Nico, then Marie for the close on this question. It's a great question. I think there's, so the three trends, first of all, Tim, you mentioned tipping points. I think overall we've reached a cultural tipping point around climate change. Now we're seeing businesses and federal action beginning to move again in this direction. You know, I think one of the biggest trends for me is federal action. It's back to the table. For the last four years, there was no federal action. Now you're seeing dramatic pushes by this administration with an all-of-government approach. And what does that mean? It means you actually have climate advisors working for the Secretary of Treasury and the Secretary of Defense in their front offices. That just didn't exist before. That is really driving tremendous change. It'll be slow. They're, they're getting the, the, the beast going again. But once it gets going, I think we're going to see some exciting stuff leading up, uh, not just the climate negotiations coming up, but really true action to get us, as, as Tim mentioned, the 45% by 2050 goal. The second one is the capital flowing into this market is unmatched to where it's ever been. ESG investing overall is is quarter by quarter breaking records. So we're seeing more and more, more and more dollars looking for projects. That's exciting. Uh, It's also challenging because oftentimes these new investors don't understand things like net metering, right? So developers get stuck trying to do deals with people that don't actually understand the market. And then the third one, I think we can't overlook the challenges of the supply chain ramp, especially from the summer to fall. There is a huge constraint on projects. Things like our pricing is going to go back up because of things like EPC pricing, panel pricing. And if things like the direct pay pass in Congress, which are super exciting and game changing for us, if we have to have domestic content in there, where is that coming from? Like, How do we get our supply chain ramped back up here at home to meet the demand that's out there? Because the demand is there. We just have to make sure the supply is ready. Nico? I'm going to try to keep it uh, relatively short. I am uh, humbled to be on the stage with so many intelligent folks who have said some really amazing things. Uh, The three things that I have followed and and that we've certainly highlighted in our episodes are the incredible uh, momentum and traction in the M&A space in our industry. And I I I think it's only speeding up. It's not slowing down. It's been the 
hottest summer since John was working for the White House, and it has uh, it has a lot of legs still. I think we're going to see um, many hundreds of millions of dollars invested in companies in this space through consolidation, as well as uh, potentially you know, others that are going public. Uh, we definitely know a few in this space that are going to try their hand at the public market. So things to watch are how uh, how Wall Street and how uh, Sand Hill Road are treating our industry. It's a breath of fresh air for the first time in like 15 years. We're being taken seriously again. And uh, we this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity, but it's, it comes with a warning because we've been here before. And we have to make sure that as, uh, as our friends uh, in the DOE loan office and as our friends in uh, these investment shops are investing that we are all conscious of the, pu- the public, uh, the public awareness and the backlash that did, in fact, happen uh, 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 a decade ago. Um, so I'm watching that very closely, but I'm encouraged by, you know, Aurora raising a quarter billion dollars. Uh, Arcadia just last week announcing a hundred million dollar Series D. Uh, I mean, these are big, big, big numbers for our industry. Uh, pivot being acquired. Uh, Community Solar is seeing, uh, it's, it's kind of having its heyday. It's having its time in the sun. I'm, I'm encouraged by that. And that's number two. I think that Community Solar has indicated uh, sort of mi- many uh, episodes of all of our podcasts as like the fourth vertical is really coming into its own. Community Solar uh, in Q4 of this year and certainly going into 2022 is going to disrupt the the utility uh, sort of the market. It's taking uh, it's taking its rightful place in the choice energy markets uh, as aggregators like Arcadia begin to uh, offer extremely low friction, almost no friction options for folks to buy renewable power. And then that brings me to my third, uh, which is the democratization of not just buying power, but investing in renewables. Many of us have been a part of or uh, or watching companies like uh, Generate, like Clean Capital, that allow folks to invest mostly through uh, tax structures. And, uh, you know, uh, I just recently had Mike Silvestrini from Energia on with effectively the fundrise for renewables, right? The ability for retail investors to invest as though it were Robinhood or, or a similar platform uh, into renewable projects with the kinds of returns that uh, that just dominate, uh, you know, to make, make, make other IRA and, and other, other investment options look... Uh, uh, less appealing gives further choice. So we go back to this. Um, I think that we're, what, we're, what I'm seeing as we come round out the year is that folks are choosing renewables as their investment strategy through M&A, through community solar, and through this democratization of investment through platforms like energy. And I'm really excited about it. Marie. Yeah, I can definitely echo what everybody else has has shared. Um, I think we're going to see even more and deeper state and national backings. Um, a huge bill just passed in Illinois. Um, another community solar bill passed in um, Delaware, and and from that, um, much to the point of John, I think we're going to see a lot more clean tech jobs uh, and job creation. Businesses are scaling. We need that. Uh, we need resources from the manufacturing side all the way to the O&M side, even of taking care of these large solar fields. Um, and then with all of the national and state backings, I'm going to you know, pull from Julia, what she was saying. I think consumers are going to be looking at in deeper as completely no reliance on the grid of whole home backup or potentially off grid resources. I think those you know, more and more technology is going to come up there. Okay. Uh, a question that was spurred by both um, an advance sent by an audience member and something that John said, point, point that John made is 
your, get your reaction to the following. People can argue about whether or not Tesla is a stock whose value could pop. People can argue whether or not cryptocurrency is a bubble. But it seems, at least to me, that the shift to renewable is now baked in, that there's enough recognition across government cognoscenti that we're frying this planet and we have no time to waste and we cannot throw lifelines to fossil fuels. So my question for each of you is just the shift to renewables baked in or is it still to be determined? John? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I think if you, uh, it wasn't- This question is your fault, so you get to go first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's baked in. I think we saw the last four years in light of an administration who tried everything they could to do things like stand up coal plants. If you guys remember DOE at one point sent a proposal to FERC that coal could have a premium on it, just basically to keep coal plants running. Right. And, and, you know, the, it, it did not go through, thank God, because FERC's an independent agency, but it is baked in as much as it can be baked in. Uh, I think the reality is it's up to us as an industry to execute, but the foundation is there. State policy is coming along, federal policy aligning, capital is flowing in. The technology is there. We have a sophisticated workforce. Like it is, it is the foundation and the fundamentals are very strong. We just have to execute as an industry. Oh, baked in or to be determined? You know, I'll, I'll take a shot. I think that the, uh, uh, the reality is less and less about being policy driven, although I think for the near future it matters a lot. But the underlying economics of solar and soon batteries are just so compelling that they're irresistible. And so it started as a green movement and my hat's off to all the folks who started it 10, 15, 20 years ago to save the planet. But today it's just simple business. And this is what this book I have is about. It's, it's green is awesome. Environment is awesome, but this is a business opportunity now. And when it enters that field as it has, or it's in the, in the early days of doing, uh, you're going to collect epic amounts of capital and attract uh, epic numbers of entrepreneurs and innovators to start solving some of the existing and remaining problems to, to a totally clean energy future. Yeah. So I, I, I will throw a little bit of doubt in that just last week, we had a UN report come out that said the earth is currently on track to be 2.7 degrees Celsius warmer by the end of, I think the century. So that's with all the upping of of commitments we've seen from countries all around the world. That's with the private sector trends we're seeing. So my point is, it's just not enough. So is it a foregone conclusion? Yes. It's a question of pace and scale, pace and scale. So I think that to me is very much TBD. And that's why this decade really is so critical to see if we can reach that next level of, of acceleration here on the energy transition. And it gets more complicated too, is what I'll add. Um, we got to think through recycling of these products at the end of their life. If we are truly going to achieve the scale we need, we have to think through holistically about what communities are getting access to the power and that it's affordable for everyone. So I think we have a lot more to do. So yes, we're gone and that the technology is proven it is there. Lots more innovation to be done on business models, nuanced policy so no one gets left behind and future innovation so that all these pieces work together as a system. The analogy that's present for me about our current situation is COVID. You see in some states where hospital workers are having to make hard decisions about who to save. And society is going to increasingly have to make this decision about entire communities because we cannot save the entire coast of planet Earth. The coast is shrinking faster than we humans can create it or stave off rising sea levels and growing storms. This is a very, very real thing. 
I, I, you know, I often try to put a positive spin on the clean energy transition, but it's both. There's going to be a lot of pain and suffering and, and very hard decisions made along with this economic boon. It is a huge economic opportunity. Forbes calls it a hundred trillion dollar economic opportunity. So that's another number to grab onto. Uh, let's go. Marie? I mean, overall, I would say we're looking at product marketing. If you look, if you strip it down to renewable energy, this is a product that we're marketing. Right now, we're getting and rolling it out and the early adapters are globbing on. We're getting a little bit into um, the mid-level adapters and then eventually it's going to be over to the late adapters. So I do absolutely think that this is going to be where we're going to stick. And then if you also look at the Gen Zers, this is all they can talk about. This is when they're the future. This is going to be on their radar to roll out. So we are just being the early adapters of getting this as a new normal. With all of that said, I do not think that that goes without fossil and coal kicking and screaming the entire way. Josh? Yeah, the train has left the station and we are definitely uh, uh, moving towards this new energy economy, this renewable energy future. I don't think that it's uh, it's a question of if it's happening. It's a question of if it's happening quickly enough. And the answer is no. And the uh, the reality is that when I talk to the smartest people that are 100 times smarter than me that I speak with, they've got a certain concerned look in their eyes, right? And the idea is that, hey, um, this is happening. There are wonderful, brilliant innovators out there. uh, And hopefully we'll find some moonshot kind of ideas that help get us closer. Uh, I like to highlight um, innovators and entrepreneurs as much as possible. You'll see my backdrop at the the moment is a company called Longboard Solar. And they're putting um, long solar uh, panels on snow fences out through the Midwest, which I think is really fascinating example of an entrepreneur just comes out of the blue and does something brand new, you know, and there's dozens and dozens of these uh, innovators out there waiting to help kind of usher the planet to this next stage. But we are going to have to be looking at adapting to climate change as well as trying to stave off, you know, the, the worst effects of climate change. So that's, that's, that's my opinion. Nico, last trip to the ballot box is reserved for you. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm enjoying watching uh, Josh look up at what it must be a large screen in his office and Bill Nussie clean his glasses to see clo- more closely these innovations that Josh is whizzing past us here. <laughs> Or I'll hark back to what I said earlier, and I'm obviously very bullish on this sector. I think what everyone here has said is true. And as evidence of it, uh, you know, Tiger Global, largest hedge fund in the world, as far as I, I think, I think that's right. Right, John? Um, they're definitely among, if not the largest hedge fund in the world. Tiger Global just invested in uh, and led the D round of Arcadia. They also, from January to May of uh, of this year, invested in 118 startups, including uh, including Coinbase. And they are, uh, you know, they're they're giving SoftBank a run for their money. SoftBank, notably, a hundred billion dollar innovation fund toward these kinds of investments. Never in my career have we seen the kind of corporate venture capital, strategic investment into the technology and into and the technology being mostly like really hardware and platform plays, as well as the software things like Arcadia that are going to facilitate, again, back to, I'll, I'll still Kieran's word, like a zero friction economy for consumers to choose renewables. And that's what's been very difficult in the past. And I think that Josh is spot on. It's just not happening fast enough. And I'm encouraged by companies that are accelerating the technological innovation. And with Tiger Global and Drawdown Fund and Breakthrough Ventures and SoftBank committing 
now trillions of dollars into this sector. I don't think there's any, you know, there's no dam that can stop it. And there's no, uh, you know, geriatric centuries old industry that can claw it back. Consensus seems to be uh, gathering momentum, dwindling time. Yeah, Mike, can I just make one point? I think it's really important for you. I've talked about this in person before we all couldn't be in person. What's missing right now from our industry is the ability to punch in DC, right? We have we have a couple industry groups. They're trying to get their act together. They're sort of trying to conglomerate on one. We're up against, you know, well dug in, well funded the status quo. We need to get our big point, big boy pants on and get in the room and start to push on things that we care about. And that's that's on all of us, right? Not just the people in DC that are representing these industry groups. We need to be putting money into them. We need to be investing in candidates. You know, it's time, you know, many shops, including ours, have limited po- policy shops, right? We need to be playing in those conversations if we want to get the foundation that we need to continue to scale. And right now we're just not doing a good enough job of it. Yeah. Uh, I want to add on to that. I was having um, a meal the other day with an elected official who's very focused on electricity in the Southeast. And he very innocently and truly, he's very interested in clean energy, but he said, you know, the utilities are just so much more well-organized than the folks who want distributed generation and solar. They just seem to have, they have VPs are focused on this and they, they have, you know, they come with agendas and information and research and I wanted to to put my hands in there and say, but this this is an you're, they're up again. They're fighting an industry that's just it's just beginning. That has very little money. The profits don't exist. They're certainly not guaranteed as the utilities enjoy. And so this is you know it's David versus Goliath in many ways. Uh, and that and Leah Stokes does a great job in her book um, about how how those uh, lobbying powers balance out, but also some hopeful messages to your point, John, about what can be done if we get our act together. I wanted to let you know about an opportunity that just might be perfect timing for you. You might already know that I do coaching for entrepreneurs, founders, executives, and increasingly folks who are in a major transition in their life or career. And I find that fourth quarter is often couched as a do or die time of year. My clients usually really benefit from having a strategic advisor as an ally for not just wrapping the year well, but knowing that you've got a solid plan for the incoming year. Now, I only open up spots for coaching a few times a year, as many of you know, and I keep the roster pretty small, but I've decided that I'd like to open up a few more spots through the end of this year. So for the next couple of weeks, I'll be accepting applications to fill two spots that I have available. If that sounds interesting to you, I'd encourage you to go to mysuncast.com, click on work with Nico up in the menu, fill out the brief application and book a 15 minute clarity call with me. I'll only be accepting a couple of people this quarter and I'm closing this offer in a few weeks so we can focus on your Q4 and Q1 plan. So if you've ever considered hiring a coach, maybe now is the right time to take the next step. I look forward to hearing from you soon, Solar Warriors. Now back to today's episode. You know, I've written a lot about this uh, on my own uh, platforms and and having serviced many of the associations that are out there and then a lot of companies that contribute to them. I think what's missing, John, is we have to be a different kind of disruptor. We are not innovating and coming up with companies in a new industry. We are coming. We are we are um, pushing new sectors within industries with very mature incumbents, and that maturation comes with generations 
of executive team leadership, which have understood that you bake in public case making, elected officials, consumers, communities you want to build stuff in, you bake that into your business plan. So it doesn't matter that we're David versus Goliath. It matters whether or not David is willing to get Goliath level weaponry. And and what I find in company after company is there still is a fair amount of magical thinking when it comes to public case making. They, people really think because we're cute Chia pets, we're universally liked, we shouldn't have to work as hard to make a public case. No, in fact, we are disrupting within an existing industry, which means we have to have, we have to over-invest in public case making. And on, I think I assert our greatest barrier here is not the budgets of our associations. It's the people who are deciding what those budgets can possibly be. So if you listen to people who are on boards of clean energy associations, you'll hear this sort of, you know, the beatings will continue until the morale improves attitude. You know, we're going to just, we're going to keep, keep your funding low until you do better. Now, you know, that's, you get what you pay for and you get what you invest in if you're minding the store and your spend. And we just, there's a lot of amateur hour magical thinking that goes around in public affairs circles. Unfortunately, commercial execution, we're killing it. Brilliant people selling the hell out of stuff, developing new technologies. We are super strong as a set of sectors there, but, um, you know, just really it's, there's, there's no getting around it. All right. Let me pivot off of the world writ large and take you into your worlds. What I'd like to hear from each of you is what has been your favorite episode and why Tim Montague. Oh, sure. Pick on me. Yep. Gosh, you know, we had Meyer Berger on the show. John and I did a couple months ago. They have launched an ultra low carbon solar panel uh, for the residential market initially, but this trend is so important and vital for our industry, right? We have to walk the talk and uh, every solar manufacturer needs to go low carbon. Uh, so that was not only my favorite episode, but my most popular episode of the Clean Power Hour. All right, Marie, you're next. Favorite episode and why? So we get this question all the time is uh, what happens to damaged or decommissioned solar panels? It is by far and large, the number one question. Um, so recently we had the privilege of interviewing um, Cascade Eco Materials that specializes in recycling solar panels. And the episode really gets into the nitty gritty of how it works um, and what can be recycled and what still needs work on to get it to get recycled. Um, and the and it really gets into how the possibilities of creating a closed loop system is is within our reach. So that has been my my most favorite. All right, Nico Johnson, who just hit a big episode milestone. Let's hear from you. I was going to choose that one. Um, my <laughs> most impactful, uh, it's a, it, maybe it's an easy answer, but my most impactful episode is the one that I just published. And that, that will be the same next Thursday because I continue to believe that. We get asked this all the time as well. Uh, I have folks that are saying, hey, what Suncast episodes should I use for my staff or for my college course. And it's it's really hard with 400 episodes to pick one that I think is the most impactful. The one that I'm most proud of very, you know, recently is, is incredibly biased because I'm on the board of Energia. It's our 400th episode. And I really fundamentally believe that the work that Mike Silvestrini and Chris Sattler are doing at Energia uh, in democratizing the way that we can all we all can invest in renewable power on a daily basis is uh, it's it's unprecedented, and I I know that that's hard to wrap your head around and say, but it really is. And uh, I'm so I'm so proud of and excited for what they're doing. And it's a shameless plug, um, and that's why I put it in as our 400th episode because I knew that we would get a lot of like fanfare for hitting 400. Um, 
But I just think that we we just don't as a as a society. And, and Abby says this uh, about the solar plus decade. We don't we haven't taken the fight to the streets as an industry. As an industry, we, we just don't take the fight to the streets enough. I concur with the fact that we just don't have the lobby. Not only do we not have the lobby that we need, but the lobby that we should have is currently being sort of dis- disrupted or broken between two entities that should be partnering. Uh, so I believe that if we can do like the kinds of things that Arcadia is doing by using smart digital consumer forward marketing to educate folks, then we are going to win the hearts and minds of not only America, but the world. And that is going to accelerate where your money and your, where your pocketbook is, is where your thoughts are. Right. And that's, a, that's where, that's where we have to hit is in their pocketbook, not just saving them money, but helping them save for their future by investing in renewables at every single level. Uh, and that's why I believe that uh, among the most important messages I've tried to get out there in the last year plus, uh, for sure, six years of the of the of the podcast is how to be a part of this. And there are uh, there are ways that we can be a part of it, whether we're in the industry or whether we are on the sidelines just looking for ways to invest. So I'm really really happy that that these kinds of platforms are coming around. Julia, yeah, thanks. Um, well, shout out for a recent episode we did on sort of the state of play in DC. I think that may be a helpful one for folks after our hiatus. In terms of most impactful, um, we did interviews with Saul Griffith um, on the electrification of everything. That was, I think, really well received and understanding where that's going. And Tony Siba separately on disruption. Um, I guess the last thing I'll say, though, is I think truly the most impactful, maybe not even our most popular, but was an episode we did specifically looking at uh, last April at how African-American communities are being left behind in the energy transition. So I guess I'd probably flag that. And just to echo points that were made about the industry and policy. I really want to give a shout out to all the individual members who came together to form residential renewables for all. It's an ad hoc coalition to the point about capacity. It's just people taking time out of their day jobs to create a policy group. And we're advocating for 25D direct pay. So everyone may be familiar with the 25D tax credit. Direct pay exists in legislation for commercial projects and and commercially owned ones, but not currently for homeowners. And it's so interesting to see how people just have to come together and it's no no big backing. It's literally just people trying to find who in the marketing team can do some tweets, who can send some press releases. And that's what it sometimes takes to get things over the line. Um, So just maybe not the perfect way of doing something, but really, I think kudos to the 475 plus signatories on that. Um, Folks can head to Presidential Renewables for All if you want to learn more. John. Favorite episode and why? Yeah, so I'm, I don't have a single specific episode. I think part of the experts only uh, is a focus on uh, the individual leaders themselves and, and their pathway or journey to getting into this. So whether it be Nancy Fund or uh, you know Anna Brownie from Volt Solar or my friend Kate Brandt, like I get asked a lot from people who want to get into this tree. How do you do it? And you know, part of the reason I started that part of the conversation for the podcast was really. You find people came into this from so many different directions and so many industries. It's not like accounting where people are like my dad was an accountant, my uncle's an accountant, I'm going to become an accountant. The clean energy has not been around that long. So people, you know, figure out they come from the military, they come from science, they come from all these different, worked at a nuclear sub and came up with this new cool technology for fuel cells, right? You know, you, you hear these journeys of how people got into the industry. And that to me just is, is really empowering every time I hear from a leader, you know, about uh, about the, how they got into this space. Before I hand it off, Josh, I want to point out, I keep seeing Niagara Falls in your background. Yeah. That's awesome. That's like 20 minutes from my house, halfway between where Julia grew up and where I live here in Buffalo. So super excited to see that in the background. You get on the new electrified catamaran yet? Because that's the, uh, the reason we were out there. Man oh, really? Man. No, I've seen it though. That's awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's awesome. 
Nice. All right, Josh Porter, your favorite episode and why? All right. So uh, up on my teaser here, you can see a lot of the, we've been working on this film project or video project, video series for North America Smart Energy Week. And we've probably done about two dozen different shoots, remote and physical. Uh, we've been working towards higher production value content, learning about that whole world. That's been fascinating. I think that um, it's tough to choose, but we just talked about policy and about putting on our big boy pants was the term, the phrase that I heard that I liked quite a bit. Uh, I have met some ballers out there, some got some, you know, just amazing people that are maverick that are pushing the envelope, registered lobbyists in DC working in this space. I've met people that are commissioning research at Princeton at the Andlinger Center, and then taking that research and the results of that and digital twinning and modeling and doing brilliant stuff in that environment, and then taking that to state legislatures that are kind of behind right now, right? So I, I think that those people and those businesses are starting to move in that direction. That was exciting. And that made, you know, that was what you were talking about earlier. It's one of the shoots that I'm excited about. You know, I'll just I'll throw in a point here, Bill, before we let you close on that question. It it, it seems to me that if uh, anybody can volunteer, what's the a large scale utility solar project? How much is the total cost for one of those things running right now? Anybody? Billion dollars. Billion dollars for a big one, yeah. Yeah. So here's the I want somebody in the industry who develops to tell me the business case for not spending a billion dollars to build a solar power plant and not spend a hundred thousand dollars building a visitor center. Why wouldn't you build a visitor center? You, you start it as a community relations tool. So once you build it, people can come out, school groups, senior citizens, et cetera. And then you convert it into a government relations tool. Because if you build coherence and fan base in the community, you then invite the politicians to tour and then you become an indelible part of the constituency base. I'm asserting that a good part of our problem in renewables is if you take the map of where we're physically present in terms of economic activity, employing people, cutting checks on, on, on supply chains, and then you look at the map of our enthusiastic representation, no industry in its right mind would tolerate that gap. The gap on the maps is crazy. And there's basic stuff we can do if we had this more uh, if we if we dispense with magical thinking, understood we need to overinvest in public case making. The good news is that there is some low hanging, low cost fruit we could take on that would tremendously change our fortunes. And it's to me, it's a mystery why we, there just shouldn't be a de facto standard. You build if if you big do a big project, you build a visitor center. But I'll you must you must be tapping my phone, Mike, because I had the same idea for Prairie Solar, which is a 1500 acre solar farm, 10 miles from my house. And it's it's just a golden opportunity for the residents of Illinois, for lawmakers, for business owners, for tourism. I think there's going to be a huge tourist tourist opportunity around clean energy facilities across the board. Wind, Absolutely. solar, battery storage, carbon capture. These are unique facilities to this day. And uh, it is an economic opportunity. Bill, your favorite episode and why? Well, for, I just want to point out um, to um, uh, John that I actually was born in Niagara. So I've become a Southerner ever since uh, the last 25 years. But uh, as my wife's relative said, when I was getting married to her, she said, you were born a Yankee, but you were made Southern by the grace of God. So I live in between <laughs> these two worlds. I love it. And when it comes to my favorite web, so my favorite episode, you know, my default answer as a politician, would just say the one that Mike Casey was on. But uh, truly the the one that's <laughs> most popular we've had is the recent one with uh, Michael Liebreich. And, uh, you know, he's one of my favorite thinkers. I've read his stuff for years. Uh, and um, 
we did a unique format where we did this rapid fire. And then Michael, who most of you know, if not know really well, he's provocative and he's hilarious. And so he was just riffing like a comedy show on why, you know, green hydrogen sucks or it's great and just really funny. And so we got a ton of listeners on that. Very, uh, uh, a lot of fun. And we'll probably use that format again, although it'd be hard to match his wit and speed. Last question about you before we enter the final uh, 10 minute stretch here. You can get anybody in the world on your show. Who would it be? Josh? Anyone in the world on the show? Well, it's just the ones that I've been trying most recently. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Vineyard Wind, the Halidex, the Offshore uh, Wind Programs. I'm interested in that. You know, Plug Power. Uh, you said one. Sorry, I could list 10. Plug Power up in Alabama, New York. I'll lose two. All right. Marie Burquist, your, your dream guest and. Yeah, so um, my home state is Illinois. Um, recently, the governor, Governor Pritzker, passed the uh, Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, which put the state on course for 100% renewables by 2050, um, SB 2408, if you're interested. <laughs> um, and so, but the weeks leading up to the bill was just absolute chaos. Like we were all on the edge of our seats, you know, will they or won't they pass it? The chambers, you know, rumors of just, you know, all out brawls in there. So I would really love, maybe not the governor. I wanted to pick somebody like super realistic <laughs> to get in touch with, but talking with the lobbyists and how they're taking these bills from, you know, just letters on a page into an actual law and talking about what it takes to lobby those bills and actually talking with them about these conversations that we're having about changing the minds of those of those in in uh, Congress um, and just getting a full perspective on what it takes. So it would definitely be lobbyists. And when Julia started, it sounds like you'd be a good person to to tap into as a resource for um, for that. So All right. Nico, one name. Who is it? One one, one name. name. OK, so one if name. I can use if I can use this platform to lobby the one person that I've tried to get on the show the most or the longest that has not yet, uh, besides Elon, of course, who has not yet said yes. Uh, and I, I don't presume that he's listening, but maybe one of you can help me is John Carrington at STEM, please. I would like to get the guy who was CEO of First Solar and is now the CEO of STEM, who took it public in a SPAC and who is like, has the inside vision or or sort of, you know, view of the front, the driver's seat view of how this industry has gotten where it's going and, and how it's going to get where, or how it's got where it is and how it's going to get where it's going. Uh, I just think that he has such a unique perspective on how to commercialize technology that a decade or two before was considered to be uncommercializable. <laughs> right. So got John it. Carrington, if you're listening, please. All right. John Powers. Nico, I can help you that when I get John on and yes. talk to his comms team. So let's talk about that. Um, it's, it's a great question. I have my hundredth episode coming up next. Uh, and so I had some of these invites out to folks that I really wanted to go on. I really love uh, Secretary Granholm uh, and, and her her role right now, driving the Department of Energy going forward, not as a scientist, but as a governor who focused on jobs and manufacturing is, I think is so critical to the point of where our, our industry is today. So I think getting her on uh, and then my, my just I'm going to say two, because we focus on finance, but the CEO of BlackRock, his letter years ago just triggered ESG investing in Amen. a way that, yeah. Amen. Yep. so having, having a conversation with him, I think would be fascinating. Now I'm not saying they're doing everything right at BlackRock, but his letter, Larry Fink's letter was just monumental. Good. All right. Julie Piper. 
Uh, keying off of that, actually, I'd want to have Mark Carney on. He's the former governor of the Bank of England. He's a UN climate envoy. He's actually the head of transition investing at Brookfield Asset Managers now. Uh, he would, I think, have the frontline view on how exactly we are going to mobilize the 50 trillion, 100 trillion, whatever the latest assessment is, what we need to move um, in capital to accelerate the energy transition. Tim Montague. Well, I got a doozy for you. I want to have Henrik Stiesdahl on my show. He is the inventor. He's a Danish inventor of the modern wind turbine. But this dude is a beast. He didn't stop with wind, which he sold to Siemens, okay? Literally the modern wind turbine that we are all uh, seeing across the country and now going into deep water across the world. Uh, but he also now has a thermal medium length storage. So this is a days to weeks long storage device. Uh, which at its core is just hot air and rocks and steel containers. Um, and the dude is just amazing. So please, Henrik, let's talk. <laughs> I love it. Bill, would I ask you your, uh, your, your favorite guest? Uh, all right. No, you, you didn't, but mine's the same as uh, John's, which is uh, Jennifer Granholm. And I've been a fan, but uh, her recent uh, announcement of the DOE's LEAP program uh, it was all about local energy, and that's the term. It's 350 times in my book. It's but it's entirely about how you can build these small scale systems, and it with the dramatic impact it has on communities, not to mention uh, the environment. So she uh, really leapt to the top of my list when she made that term local energy. She raised it to such a high level and made it a center part of the uh, an important program. So we stay within the hour. I'm going to pack the last two questions into one question. So. The one trend you th that you're spotting that you don't think anybody else is seeing coming. The second is, what is one tip for clean techers to pitch you on topics, trends, or people for your show? So <clears throat> the hidden trend nobody's seeing and a pro tip for pitching you to get on your show. All right, Josh Porter. <laughs> hidden trend nobody's seeing. Uh, I don't know. How about the <laughs> hidden trend that I want to see, which is space-based solar? Let's do that. I think we need some big thinking. I think we need some grand ideas, you know, something really kind of, I think, I think right. we were big thinkers in the beginning, right? I, I, and things are happening now. Now we're getting more established. Let's get some huge ideas out there. Let's put space-based solar in. What was the second question? <laughs> well, you kind of answered it. I, I, is uh, What's the pro tip for pitching Josh Porter for getting there on a show? Go. But you basically said, be a space cadet. I love it. Do it. That'll do. All right. Gotcha. Nico Johnson, the trend nobody's seeing. That you think is going to be important in the future, and what's the pro tip for pitching Nico Johnson to get on Suncast? Yeah, so uh, it, it it always surprises me how in a world where we believe that microgrids and resiliency are important, and storage is going to rule the day, and solar is going to power storage as well as hydrogen, the words uh, transactive energy have somehow fallen off the map, even in a time in an era that has never existed before this, where blockchain has legitimately changed the way finance is working. It has legitimately changed the way smart contracts are happening. And I think that transactive energy is something, is a trend that most people are sleeping on and that blockchain will revolutionize. And it is in fact happening right now. I think that it's going to happen in choice markets in the U.S. faster than anybody believes is, is capable of, of happening. And if you want to get on Suncast, you should probably contact Mike Casey at Tigercom or, <laughs> or P Peter Kelly at Renewcom. They both seem to have a knack for getting uh, their, uh, their clients onto the show. But in short, I mentioned it last time and I'll mention it again. Email me if you want a simple one pager to outline why we should care about your message 
and don't send us your press release. Send us a much shorter version that suggests how it's going to matter to our audience. If you don't understand our audience, then you don't understand how to pitch us. All right. Julia, the trend nobody's seeing and the pro tip for pitching Julia Piper. Yeah, I mean, this trend, I'm, I'm curious what John will make of it, but I think um, the domestic manufacturing is a trend I'm seeing yeah. start to take off. I'm not sure how the pieces will come together. We're seeing legislation, we're seeing calls for it. We need an on-ramp, I think, before maybe mandates get put in place, but I think that's an exciting trend. Uh, there was just an announcement with Redwood Materials and Ford on recycling battery products and doing that, I think, in California to start. So seeing more happen in clean tech here in America will be really interesting and how that evolves, um, I would I would watch. Um, in terms of pitching, uh, you can always reach us at poly, P-O-L-I underscore climate on Twitter and just DM us if you have a pitch there or politicalclimatepodcast at gmail.com. You can pitch us there as well. We'd love to hear uh, from folks who want to talk about policy. All right, John Powers, you're the master of saying two things in one. You get one trend nobody's seeing that you think is going to be important and one pro tip. Yeah. The one trend I th- we're, I'm seeing a lot right now in the market that I think is actually scaring me a little bit is, is there's a lot of stupid money coming into the market. So there's a lot of money bidding really big on projects, but then they can't execute. And what that's doing is it's getting the hope of developers and asset developers to think that's what the value of their projects are. But then those folks, to, again, going back to things like not understanding what net metering is, it's going to crush the ability to close those projects. So, you you know, smart money is really important right now to get these things done. Uh, and then you can always reach out to us through uh, clean uh, podcast at cleancapital.com. But I love when people tag me on Twitter and say, hey, you need to be interviewing this person. I, I usually jump right at that. I, I think it's a really fun way to, to engage and learn more. So, you know, feel free to reach out. And we're always looking for interesting ideas in the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance. Mike, thanks so much for putting this together. Yeah, our pleasure. Mr. Nelsey? You know, I'm, I'm also entering my, uh, my foray into the background thing. I've got uh, Thomas Edison here and he's kind of the, it's kind of creepy. If that was a competition for backgrounds, it's kind of creepy uh, as opposed to most creative. But the reason he's here and the reason he's always standing over me is that I think the biggest thing that people don't appreciate is that this industry is about to get incredibly innovative. And in this book, I talk about how when Edison and, and Tesla and Westinghouse were creating this industry, it was nothing but innovation. It was grand, gigantic ideas. And billion dollar visions and it it changed the world and so much of that nearly all of that has been entirely lost and i think what happens is we move towards these smaller scale systems we can actually have competition we can actually unleash that innovation so to me in the coming months and year or two we're going to see a revolution in innovation that doesn't mean a a shiny office building that a utility has and it's their innovation hub i'm not talking about that innovation theater i mean real innovation and i think it's coming fast and if you want to tell you have a story you want to tell us about and have it be on our podcast actually understand that's what we talk about. Um, Nico said it last time we did all this as a group and uh, we talk about local energy. We don't talk about um, uh, things that are giant utility scale. We don't talk about things that are heavy duty Washington based policy. There are people much smarter than us doing podcasts on that. But if you want to talk about innovation, you want to talk about uh, small scale systems, we would love to hear your story and just go to the free energy website and there's a place to put it there. Tim Montague. Well, I got a riff on um, Marie's several highlights of SB 2408, the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act here in Illinois. There's a, a bill inside that bill called the Coal to Solar Transition. And we are literally going to shutter about 10 coal-fired burning power plants 
in Illinois and convert them to solar farms and battery farms. And that is a, a wonderful good because there's already huge infrastructure there, right? Ginormous substations and wires. And, um, and we're going to clean the grid and shut those babies down. Uh, as far as getting on my show, it's really hard. You have to pick up the phone. Got it. All right, Marie, last, uh, last word on this. And we have, we have an audience question that's uh, not gotten in. We'll see if we can't get to that real quick. Marie. Yeah. Um, I want to echo what everybody else said. I know that, um, you know, crypto blockchain, that is definitely something that people aren't putting as much thought into, um, maybe not as much on my radar. And then domestic manufacturing as well is a big deal. Another thing, as far as getting on the show, really think about what you're trying to accomplish. If you're just looking for brand awareness, that's okay. It's okay. Ask us for a commercial spot or a slot. But if you have a story to tell, you are more than welcome to reach out to us uh, across all social media at GRNE Solar um, or our website, grnesolar.com slash WhatsApp. I want to thank everybody for joining us in the listening audience. I want to thank the podcasters for joining us. This was an awesome discussion, folks. I don't know if you're up for episode three, but um, I keep hearing how much they like hearing from me. So um, I know you don't have a problem talking, but uh, if, if that'd be good, you let me know. We'll we'll get this organized in another quarter. All right. Well, thanks, hey, Mike. Thanks, thanks Mike. Want to yeah, thank so much to everybody you. for joining. You take care. All right. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors. But I do hope that you'll check out the other two for Tuesday episodes and let me know what you think of these shorter format discussions. You want more like this? You can find more than 200 episodes, resources, highlights from the discussions, along with social media links to each guest episode, book recommendations, and so much more over on the blog at mysuncast.com. And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with the Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly emails or even joining the exclusive inner circle we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. A special thank you to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Follow the links there for any offers we've discussed here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>